listening to Thriver Podcast, the company culture podcast where each unique episode brings you engaging topics that a new host and guests will connect on. Learn what drives a strong workplace culture through leadership, diverse experiences, personal stories, and much more. Hello and welcome. My name is Olivia Bortolazzo and I am a marketing manager at Thriver. Joining us this week is Ana Sofia Gonzalez. Hi, Ana Sofia. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, so excited to have you on. I feel like we've been um, in contact for some time now. And so it's so nice to actually like finally connect um, and get this recording. So in this episode, we'll be talking a bit about the impacts of design, specifically inclusive design, leadership, your story, and creative thinking. So tell us a bit about yourself, your work, and briefly what you've been up to in the past year. Of course, yeah. So um, I am actually from Mexico. I was born and raised in Mexico and I actually grew up in the border. So I would cross the border every day from Mexico to the U.S. to study since I was nine. Um, so I grew up like in this weird limbo, like being Mexican origin, but then like identified as like neither American or Mexican because I was in the middle in this gray area. And then from there, I knew that my dad was a computer science engineer. I'm like, I never want to be like you, dad. I'm going to study art. And, and little did I know that actually I love system thinking and I love technology. And, and so I went to study industrial design. And the part that I loved the most was the research part, like how to empathize with the users and understand like their day-to-day activities to really see how we can incorporate a product that's good for them. And that's how I ended up in UX. Um, and at the same time, it was the only industry at the time when I graduated from college that offered a, a visa, sponsored visa in the US. I'm like, okay, it's a no-brainer. I love the research part. I love empathizing. Um, and I worked in Colorado and then I moved back to Mexico because I did not feel part of the culture in Colorado. I just didn't really like, like it. And also when I moved back to Mexico, I gave a talk. I embraced my fears. <laughs> and one of my fears was to public speak. I would not even present my work with clients because I was so afraid of speaking in public or to people. I was mm-hmm. such an introvert at that time. And I decided to embrace my fear by um, putting myself to give a talk to 200 people in Helsinki. Why? I don't know, but I did that. And so I went to Helsinki and gave a talk of how um, emerging economies are different than developing ones. And when you do financial institutions applications, how to design for them. And then Microsoft took me out there. So by embracing my fear, I got this amazing opportunity. And now I've been at Microsoft for four and a half years. And I love it. And I think like I've done like most of my growth here in Microsoft with all the opportunities that I had. And so, yeah, currently I worked in Dynamics for Sales, um, but I've been all over in Microsoft from um, consumer applications, music to HoloLens. And now I wanted to work with real people, real users, and that application has real people and real users. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think that's a, a actually a very interesting story and also inspiring to other um, young women who I'm sure there's, I'm sure you're not the only one who's had to travel from Mexico to the States to, to go to school, right? Um, it is, it's so interesting because coming from Canada, I, we don't hear these stories a lot because our border is America, right? So we don't hear 
I mean, we hear about people going to school, you know, across the border, but I find that the uh, the struggle, especially being a minority to going from Mexico to the States and, you know, having to deal with so many different, you know, culture appropriations and different identity as well. And even you talking about your, your experience in Colorado. And so when you were going to Colorado, you were there for school, you, you said, and then you... Um, no, I graduated from school in Georgia and I was okay. working in a consultancy called Effective UI at the time, which I had amazing mentors. Like, I think it, they believed in me, you know, like, and they mm-hmm. really put their efforts to teach me how to become a good UXer. But it was just a culture. Like I even got asked one time in the office that, um, oh, which this is a little confrontational, but um, <laughs> why, why are you white if you're Mexican? Mm. And I'm like there's a guy called Christopher Columbus. He came in the 1500s <laughs> and he's Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> so like there's a lot of Spanish descent in all of America. Mm-hmm. So um, I just had to, for me, that was very culture shock that the educated people would even ask those things. So I just could not fit in. In the in the in the Latin culture, we really embrace people. So if we know like the cousin of the cousin of your cousin is coming to live, I live in Seattle in Seattle, I would be like calling them, hey, what can I do for you? I brought you cookies. Meanwhile, you're moving in. Do you want to come to dinner with my house? You can meet all of my friends. Hey, here, come with my family. And and I felt that the culture shock in the US, it was not my a lot of friendships were like. I had um, great friendships, but some of them were like, okay, I can go with you from three to five because at five I have a dinner with friends and they wouldn't include me to some of the dinner with friends. So mm-hmm. I said, but it was just like different cultural nuances. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I was like, okay, right now I, I just miss my family and I miss my culture. And I think I was very iffy if to quit because it was quitting a work visa at the U.S. It's just like a... A lot of people want that. And I know I'm very one of the very lucky ones. So for me to accept that I was going to quit this opportunity of a lifetime just to be back to my roots, mm-hmm. it was hard for me to make that decision. But I think it was the, the best one. Yeah, it, it's really interesting, I think, with everybody's experiences, no matter what your background is, even the idea of, quote, quitting is something that sounds like such a failing thing. But I, I think especially in in our just overall like North American culture, we need to not look at quitting as a negative thing. I think it's more so of looking at it as quitting can be a big step forward. A pivot. Is a pivot. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so so when you went into design, mm-hmm. I'd love to know, did you start more traditionally? Because you said you wanted to create, you were creative and did you go into fine arts or? So actually, no, I would, I would go to the math Olympics in Texas. So my parents were like, <laughs> why are you going to go study art if you've never touched like a pencil in your lifetime? But I'm like, I don't know. It's a calling. I just had this intuition that now I know it's called intuition, but it was at the time, like a gut saying like, I need to go here. I need to go here. I need to go here. And the only thing that I really um, made like with with my parents and my family, like, okay, the iPod had been out. So Jonathan Ice was like being successful. So I'm like, okay, there's this will become a bigger industry. So my my dad was like, okay, yeah, like study industrial design, that's fine. Cause I can see see like even you can do cars, you can do this, like you can expand, you're not narrowing your options. Mm-hmm. And then but it was more like, like for me, it was a part that I knew that you had to collaborate as a designer. I, d- I didn't like to be alone. Mm-hmm. I 
living alone. And so I know that I wanted to be working with people all the time. And I was between architecture and industrial design, like, and what they told me, which I might not be true, obviously, but that industrial design, you have to collaborate with much more people, more researchers, more engineers, more like um, talking to the end customer, like a lot of different facets that you're never like designing by yourself. Mm-hmm. You're doing all of these brainstorms all the time and like encouraging people's ideas and just kind of synthesizing what you heard from this person, this person, and then create the, the idea. And I really like that when they sold it to me like that. I'm like, okay, I'm a collaborative person. And that's one of my biggest values, the belonging part. And so I that's how I decided to go to art schools. <laughs> but I had zero, zero creativity before. Actually, one of my first professors in college, he told me that I would fail, that I was not going to graduate as an industrial designer. And I'm mm-hmm. one of those people that if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to surpass everything. Mm-hmm. So I actually graduated with like a, a, like a cum laude and I went and sent him an email like, look at me, I created cum laude. Uh-huh. Thank you so much. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, I was just understanding my values and and like following my, my gut at that time, but also being smart about it because I could have, like I actually liked um, accessory designs, but I knew that wouldn't get me a work visa. Um, the pay is less, so I had to be smart about my my decisions. Mm-hmm. So I analyzed them, and then just like what you know, they what's your core value? Mm-hmm. So I wanna, I actually wanna go from from you talking about collaboration, which is I think you and you and I like. I'm very, um, I love collaborating with people, especially. I'm, I'm lucky that working at Thriver because it is a smaller company. Um, in the marketing team, I am able to collaborate with so many different teams and get hands-on understanding of so many aspects of the company, which is, I think, um, it's so valuable. And with collaboration, that kind of leads into diverse thinking and inclusive thinking as well, because in order to be able to make make bigger ideas or create better ideas, you need to understand what everyone's perspectives are. You can't just hear from a singular group, right? So. I'd like to kind of dive into the meaning of inclusive design. So, you know, together, I think those two words are pretty powerful. So I'd love to know what the meaning of inclusive design is, um, as well as how you promoted this throughout your career. Well, inclusive design is such a big topic. It can be from having accessibility, people with disabilities, colorblinded. So how are you going to interact with it to the actual process? And I think it starts with the process. If I include a colorblinded in my in my brainstormings, now I, I would th- think like, oh, I need to think about this person. Or like when we're doing a brainstorm, it's like, oh, maybe uh, he or she can say like, um, this actually doesn't work because when I use it, this happens. So now I'm like, oh no, I wanted to sign for, for this particular person as well. So if you include when you're doing these brainstorms and, and, and trying to solve the problem, so at the end of the day, like, um, as a product designer, you're solving one problem. You're not like, I'm like, oh, I want to create a unicorn. Cool. It's like, no, I'm like, okay, I need to take person to point A to point B. That's a problem. So like, what solutions can we come up with? Um, so I feel like when you include more people there and it can be diverse backgrounds. So not only like I went to art school, but maybe someone that is a designer that has a computer science degree. So under, and it's more technical. Um, include an engineer. 
as well. And like diversity, the cross-discipline uh, product mm-hmm. manager, because I don't think of business. I just, just think about the end user. So I need someone to take things about the business too. Um, and then, so just include different perspectives and even people like, I love like giving diverse of thought of like people that don't even graduate from college and they mm-hmm. made it too. Wow. What, what did you went through? you're here and then there's the actual things that we can spot like cultural diversity so that one too like me as latina and then like invite someone from from the black uh, community um from and any any underrepresented minorities um i think that's also ideal because now you start thinking put yourself in the shoes because everybody's biased you grew up one way and you're gonna be biased by the way that you grew up I'm even like biased, which I don't want to, I tried not to. So, but I'm conscious of it now. Mm -hmm. So it's just like how to change that by inviting other people into, into like your, your design process. And there, this product will end up being inclusive because you put everybody's perspective on it. So it's a win-win if you start from there, because, and and more people will be able to use it and it will be more scalable. I think that's actually really interesting about bias because I do agree everyone has their own biases, but there are people who almost, it's like they don't want to accept that. And I'm not sure if you have this answer, but how do you, how do you work with people who have these very, um, you have these, you know, idiosyncrasies and have these even biases and specific thought that they're so stubborn with, with trying to see a bigger picture how do you work with those kinds of people or have you I'm sure you have worked with these kinds of people <laughs> yeah I have um <laughs> especially like well Microsoft is a, a like more like 40 almost year old company but um no I think it's also empathizing with them where they're coming from so I tried mm-hmm. to do that okay I I'm empathizing for them. They've been doing this like this for 14 years. It has worked for them. They've been successful. Why suddenly like this new person comes and changes the world? People don't like change. Most of the people, I love change. Uh, <laughs> but mostly, most people don't, don't like it. And so it's proving with small wins, like how they can start changing and making them empathize with your, like, so before I was super shy and I and I said it like that's why I forced myself to become a public speaker to get that fear out and now I were well now that I have more confidence in myself and my talent I won't um be be quiet when there's an injustice or when I see that something is not happening so I will vocalize hey if this person speaks someone do you know that my story is a b and c or this person that I know suffer through A, B, and C. And, and so, and, and like, not mention like exact names if you want to protect people or if you want to protect yourself, but just making them realize that these stories exist, these things exist and like make them and like start empathizing and, and creating data sets will how will it impact other people. Like, okay, we do it your way, great. But think about like, you're not the repercussions. So it's like, we did not put like thinking for Latinos. We did not put the thinking for the colorblind. And we did not put the thinking for this. So we're missing it on the market. And by putting numbers, mostly, well, at least people in, in the tech world, if you put metrics, you can win them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Numbers, um, they'll, be, they'll be more in part to, to go your, your route. Mm-hmm. And not being afraid to, be, to speak up. Yes. And I think that's also something I remember you telling me 
um, supporting underrepresented minorities at Microsoft. There's a program or, or something. Can you can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, of course. So actually, when I joined four and a half years ago, I came to Microsoft and to the to Seattle back from Mexico without knowing anyone in the city nor the company, nothing. So when I joined, there was this person that said, hey, you have a, a Latin last name. Do you want to join this employees research group called Ola, which is a Hispanic organization, Leadership in Action, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went like, okay, sure. Which now I know that you should not be doing that because that, that can be biased, that can be my name, but... <laughs> Uh, but anyway so I went and they create like it was amazing because it was this small community we were like eight ten people they were mostly principals so much like I was like a mid-level person and they would like tell me like what to do where to do my taxes where to do this where how to get to my license like they became kind of my support group Mm-hmm. And so when we there was a reorg happening, which is like when they restructure the organization and they sunset um, your your product, I got landed in this new new um, organization, ten thousand people organization, and I saw that there was not, none of this, and like this made me want to stay because I told my parents one year and I'm gone from Microsoft. I'll put it in my resume. And so this sense of community and belonging, again, that's my core value, made me want to say, and I wanted to give it back to the community. So um, I just literally put posters on the on the different um, buildings and like, who wants to grab coffee on a Tuesday at 3.30 p.m.? And so people start coming up. And it was from two people to six people. Mm-hmm. And, and now the Microsoft, this past year and a half, has invested, like actually put a discipline of diversity and inclusion I am the leader for the Hispanic organization for the business application group. And so I created, yes, actually this week, I created a mentorship event with our, one of our corporate vice presidents with Arun. He's like the, the vice president for Power of BI. Yep. So I have some questions around mentorship and sponsorship. And then, and then so creating that and mentorships and also allyship programs. So right now I, I'm actually trying to get um, all of cloud and AI in Microsoft, which is where like 60,000 people to start putting an allyship training. Um, well, there's training, but how can, can you create empathy with the underrepresented people? So um, yeah, so I'm trying to launch that too. And then I saw that one of my events that I did that for allyship. Today, I was in a mentorship panel as well, and someone screen had screenshotted my actual deck saying like the core values of Latinos, mm-hmm. and one of them is hierarchy. Like we respect hierarchy, and you don't question hierarchy. So I, when I would be in meetings, um, I would never speak up because there were people that had like bigger titles. And then I, when I um, asked my manager, "Hey, why am I not being promoted?" He's like, "Because you're not speaking in meetings." Like, oh, it's like, and then I noticed that I was biased with my own values, mm-hmm. respecting elders or hierarchy, that I was, it was getting in my way for my career development. Mm-hmm. And so I gave this talk and today someone like had screenshot and said like, thank you so much for whoever created this, because um, I was able to use this slide to talk to my manager. And so he can understand how I am and mm-hmm. we can career development discussions. And this is people that are like having Microsoft for years. For me, that's that's one of the biggest satisfactions 
that I've had. It's just the culture and the people I know that I'm helping and even people that being in the company for so long, but it just takes one person to be brave, take the small action, and then the rest will follow. Yeah, it's like a trickle down effect. It does seem like you, you're really good at finding static or like friction points and taking action on them on kind of ironing them out, which is great. It's a, it's a great way to empower people. And even something like what you're saying on how, you know, just speaking up, but not knowing this is something that can also empower managers or, or teach managers to empower their team to say, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So if you never think to speak up or you're afraid that you're going to be judged on it, trying to create that safe space. And if you do make a mistake, it's okay. That's another thing that's important. So this is the thing that um, I noticed with allies. People want to be allies. I feel like right now there's this whole shift, and especially with last year with the Black Lives Matter, yeah. that people want to help everybody. But you don't know what you don't know. That's when I started like talking to other people in the white uh, males, right, or Caucasian males. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I don't know what I don't know. I'm like, that's totally fair. Like, I see, I empathize with them. Like, they, like they've lived their life one way. They don't know what we've been living. So... Just how can we teach them to what what actually what we have experienced, and there they can start helping. And by creating this safe space, that people can be vulnerable and be open up. Like, hey, this is actually my culture. This is my perspective, and it starts with empathy and listening. Mm-hmm. And by teaching managers that, it can just create um, another level for actual career development for for them underrepresented people. Um, but yeah, but I feel like it's teaching them because they don't know what they don't know. So I don't, I don't like to point fingers. So a lot of people do I'm like, no, like, let's just tell them and make them empathize with our stories. Um, and they have to be open to, to listen too. like, there's some people that don't want to listen, but, um, those, those ones that want are there and then you just have to steer them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's also a matter of no, of understanding that yes, to help teach people who, who may have realized that they've been making these mistakes and finally waking up to it, but then also knowing that you're, it's not your job to teach them, right? It's, it still is their, their own job to make their, to educate themselves, but doing it in a collaborative, like using collaboration again, how that also applies to, um, taking away from those biases and then removing and unlearning, um, relearning everything, right? And even like with me, like I presented the allyship um, thoughts that I had to all the diversity and inclusion in in Clown AI to like this very high end people. And I used the word like, yeah, as a minority and someone was very kind enough to reach out to me and put in a chat. I just wanted to let you know that we're not using that word. We're using underrepresented um, people from now on because that so it it can get very mad. Even like, like, I don't know, like in, in code in tech. You have the the master, which is like where all the code is. And now master comes from like slavery, right? So it's like they're mm. changing that word too. So it's like being not afraid to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And, just it. and also like the other people like uh, that empathize with me was like, hey, just so you know, I think you're not aware. This is the new term we're using and perfect. So I did not take it in like a back or, or anything. So it's just me. I was like open for the feedback. And then someone was able to to correct me. And I think it's just like, we just have to not be afraid of messing up because we will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. And that happens in design too. I'm sure 
I'm sure in design and in the in the whole UX experience of what you focus on, there's been instances where you completely maybe missed someone who was underrepresented and it's just someone tells you that and it's a whole shift in what you're what you're working on, right? Yeah, like for example, right now for us, um, since our customer relationship management is so big, we're I'm focusing on the end user, but I forget about the admin. Mm-hmm. Who's going to put all of this for the end user, the admin? So it's just like, now it's just like this shift, I think as a whole product team that is like, okay, let's make it easier for the admin. Because if the admin doesn't have it easy, the end user won't have it. Mm -hmm. So it's just like this, like nuances that we forget exactly who this, the, the touch points that the product has. Exactly. Exactly. I I do want to know, because we obviously speak about collaboration and empathy a lot, where in your life did you, or do you even have a a specific point in your life where you thought to yourself, I want to make sure that my approach in leadership and my approach in design is focused on empathy first? I, I feel like I've always been a very empath, like an, like an empath. Um, I, I don't know how I grew up. I know that I had education and in Mexico, um, some people don't. So my mom always told me that you're fortunate and always give back. So I would actually go to tutor to, to an orphanage sometimes during high school. So I think it comes from there, like knowing that what I have, it's not for everyone. Not everybody has the, the skills, the the life that I've had, um, the education that I had. So I think it started from there. That it was just like, always remember that you're lucky and fortunate and always be give back and, and just treat everybody as equal, everyone. And then I did not know that was my superpower until later. I think like it's been like five years that I understood that now that's my superpower. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, it was just like a no brainer because I've always done it. So it's like, yeah, what? You're not talking to the person and see how they're feeling. What? That's not. So now it's like, oh, that people don't do that. <laughs> so um, I've been learning that too, right? Because I, I, I've always grew up with that. But I think it started from there. And in just a sense of being having like a sense that I'm part of a team, the belonging. Um, so I know that I want to collaborate and, and for people to want to collaborate with me, I have to be nice to people, treat them well with respect if I want to continue that. So I think that's how I I also started growing on, on the collaboration piece. I love that you call that a superpower. I think I, I'm just curious because with my experience with the idea of quote empathy is that, oh, that means you're weak or if if you're being too, um, quote, emotional. But then as I'm getting older, realizing that they're not, it's so different. And, And for me, it's when I learned what properly, and this was very recent in the last year, what empathetic leadership was, a light bulb just clicked. And I thought that is exactly what I've been trying to do for in my career. And for example, for me, my parents were are immigrants um, from Italy, and my dad has his own business, and he's always just a tough, tough guy. So he thinks the success of his business is because he had to be tough and put up a wall and and just and not share who your real feelings with those except for family. So in my mind, I always thought, oh, that's how it has to be. That's just how it is. But there are so many different layers to leadership, and especially when you work in a company with a team. To understand your team, you need to realize they're human. 
and mm-hmm. you want to treat people properly. And I wasn't very fortunate in the sense that a lot of my past positions, I've had very bad management and very bad. I never had a mentor. And it was something I always craved. Like, you know, hear about these people having all these mentors and having good people, good team members. And when you don't see that, you don't, you just think it's a dream. It's not real. Um, And it wasn't until actually I came to Thriver when I had a great management and great teams and people and seeing how people truly want to empower you and watch you grow. It's almost like this, you form this really great relationship and, and yeah, so it's for me, it's, it sparked because I realized from my bad experiences, like every time I had a really bad manager, I thought, I don't ever want to be like this to someone. If I'm a manager, I don't, I don't want to treat someone this way. No, and that totally also, um, it's part of it too. Like I got told by um, a manager that I'm too emotional. <laughs> I need to stop that. Because um, I cry. Like, because I'm so passionate yeah. about my work. that yeah. when I get frustrated, I cry. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been a person that is like a computer because like techie, techie, that zero feelings. But I now that I've talked to other managers and that I have, it's like, don't change that. That's what we love about you, that mm-hmm. you're so passionate and you get to this emotional state. But because you're so passionate, like don't change it. And actually today that I was doing the mentorship for Ola, I that came out for like three different women as well. They say like, I'm being told I'm too emotional. How do you deal with that? Like, don't change. Like right now, let's make them get used to it. As if I'm, I know I'm more in a senior position, but if, if I change, then the people below will have to deal with these hardships. So I'm like, I'm okay taking one for the team and start breaking those barriers. Cause I know it's not only me. It's not me being the emotional one. It's the way we're like, that's a lot of Latinas and they want to continue hiring Latinos and Hispanics. That's what's going to happen. So let's teach managers how to handle people that overreact. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, and I also had another bad experience that um, when I was in Denver, um, this colleague, and she was so a woman, she did not support me. She actually told, instead of talking to me, told my manager I was doing a poor job and I had a work visa. So she didn't understand that if they fire me, I have to leave the U.S. So I was almost going to get fired. But that manager was like, let's just think it through. Let's just put this three month program to see, like, get your in probation right now to get you out. Um, he was super nice about it. It's like and I was able to exceed expectations. Mm-hmm. But from that on, I was like, I'm never going to be a backstabber. It's like I'm going to tell people in their face if they're doing a bad job like it not going first to their managers because I'm like she didn't understand the the repercussions she had on me mm-hmm. and so and that gets me so so mad and upset of how like and it was a woman instead of supporting me and I'm younger I don't know what I'm doing I'm alone in the U.S. I don't have family I don't have support it's just it, it was I don't know so so that's what I'm trying to also change like being a part of like also the woman um in in Microsoft, like helping mentoring, it's like supporting each other versus being competitors. Yeah. And I, I know that's something that we chatted about um, in a conversation before, which was about how women feel there's this competitive, there's this always this competition. Someone has to be better than the other versus actually work together. And I think generationally as well, you know, women who are, who are older, who've experienced 
hardships instead of looking at that experience and saying, I don't want that for the younger generation. They say that, well, this is how it is. And they need to go through what I went through. But it's, it's again, saying that every experience is different, right? And just because you are this successful because of your experience, it doesn't mean that that needs to happen with every single person. So yeah, it, it's really interesting. Better for the people behind us. It's just like, I went through all of these hardships. I don't want anyone to go through them again. Mm-hmm. And so like, let's, let's make it better. And I, and I feel like that's what's, what's missing. I don't, I actually feel like lately, at least this past two years, I've been noticed like more women support each other. And I'm part of a lot of amazing supportive groups. But um, yeah, I feel like like people that are more in the higher level, some, some, some people like uh, or women go through that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I'm not speaking on every single yeah, woman yeah. who is, you know, over 40. This is just a, <laughs> because that is extremely unfair. Yeah. Um, I'm just speaking on based on some experiences I have had. But even going back into design, with your team, for example, and um, using, you know, working with, with everybody in different teams, collaboration, using empathetic leadership and, and just overall creative thinking. How do you, how do you find um, just the, the idea of creative thinking? How do you find that impacts your goals and your, and your team and the, the substance of what you're trying to do? Well, it makes you think outside the box. And so I, I think like I sometimes I imposter syndrome saying like I'm not a good designer, I'm a good connector. <laughs> so <laughs> I like, like, okay, this person said this thing from another team and this person said this said this, like, oh, what if I just make them talk to each other and then something comes up? And then it was it was me in the middle, so it was with with some of my ideation, but I feel like I was just the glue. Mm-hmm. I think of about myself like that. I don't know if it's imposter syndrome, <laughs> but um, so so that's how I I try to think. It's like don't just ask the same people the same or or brainstorm with the same people or just look at the same thing. Like try to see it in another point of view, another perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's really like taking a break sometimes because I feel like if I don't take a break, I'm just not going to solve the puzzle. I'm not going to be able to do a good design. I have to go on medium blog posts. I like to go YouTube, like what are people doing? I even go, let, let's say I'm doing a CRM. I might go to Facebook. How well do they manage relationships in Facebook and mm-hmm. get inspired by social media? Like, so it's just different um, tools and just how can you make those connections? At the end of the day, that's how I do my design thinking and, and being curious. That's That's the biggest one. You have to be very curious. And, and then start making the connections. If you're not curious, you won't get anywhere because you won't like try to research like what's out there, what niches there are, how can you integrate the, the niche or or anything like that. But, and and besides that, it's like bring your, your thinking and process, show it early and often, not when it's finalized. Just show the scrappy sketches to your product manager, to your engineers, because they'll be part of, the actual design solution and mm-hmm. they'll be more in part to build it with you or like to say like, yes, let's go that direction. Let's build it. Cause if not, like it's going to be siloed and it's going to feel like you're dictating the solution. Why didn't like, I participate? So if you do it, like including people 
since the beginning. And actually more ideas will come up. And like, um, for example, for me, I'm not the best technical person. So like they raise a lot of like technical things. I'm like, oh yeah, we cannot do that solution because of this technical constraint. Mm-hmm. So it's, it just brings you back to, to, to the right direction you should go towards. Mm-hmm. That's some really good insight. Um, so I, I do think that's all the time we have today, but I did Usually we end our episodes with a a segment called the scaredy cat segment where we ask you what your fear was and how you overcame it. But you pretty much answered that in the very beginning of this episode saying that your biggest fear was public speaking and how you overcame it was actually forcing yourself to public speak. And now you're a huge figure in um, advocating for yourself and for other people within Microsoft and then outside of Microsoft as well. So Thank you for answering that early. Always, this is, see, this is what I said about you. This is what you do. You're able to find a friction point clearly and you knew this without even knowing this. (laughs) (laughs) Think of what the audience wants to hear, empathizing with the audience. Exactly. See, this is why we had this conversation. Um, So thank you, Anna Sophia, for joining us. If people want to follow you or reach out, where can they do so? Yeah, they can go in LinkedIn at Ana Sofia Gonzalez. So, or in Twitter at Ana Chofas, A-N-A-S-H-O-F-A-S. Awesome. Great. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to Thriver Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Share your thoughts on this episode by tweeting us at Thriver Company or get to know more about us by visiting Thriver.com. Additionally, you can follow us at Thriver Company on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. The choice is yours. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time.